0: All right, so I've got another odd baseball thing for you. Your opening day hurt. Good night. How'd opening weekend.
1: What are you talking about? Well, we're 0-4. Oh.
0: That opening game, the Phillies were up by how five many? 5
1: nothing on oh, DeGrom. Yeah.
0: Was it just 5? I thought it was like 25-0. 5-0. Nothing, nothing. And they lost like 37 So here's 25. a little stat
1: for you. DeGrom had 210 career starts. Never had he allowed seven extra base hits in a start. Aaron Nola had never blown a five-run lead in his career. Both happened on opening day. Olivia came over, opening day, wants to talk. Probably about an hour in, she goes, isn't your game on? Yeah, but you're more important. So I missed the only time we've been ahead all year. (laughs) She leaves, I go down, check it out, and I saw the nine-run fourth, and I went, what are the odds of that happening? So I didn't watch the rest of the game. Saturday, we're on a national broadcast. As I've complained before with my MLB TV streaming Ticket. If it's a national broadcast, I'm blacked out. I turn on Fox because it was a Fox game of the week. Well, they're not showing Texas, Philly. They're showing Yankees and the Giants. Well, we get our asses handed to us in game two as well. So I'm like, okay, that was a nice blessing. Sunday rolls around. I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch this game. It's the ESPN game of the week. I'm like, another national broadcast. I can't <laughs> watch this one either. So I don't see it. Last night, we're on again. It is on MLB Network. But by the time I got home from bowling, it was not worth watching. So I didn't watch that game. Tonight, they're on TBS. It's like, are you kidding me? How are you on so many national broadcasts? We were never on any until we made the World Series last year.
0: Well, that's what happens. And now
1: four of our first five games were on some kind of national broadcast. Yeah, that's
0: all right. By the end of the year, you won't be on any.
2: Welcome to the Faith, Finances, and F-Bombs podcast where we inspire you to manage your money, find your soul, and cover your ears. Join host Hartley Wright, a certified spiritual director, and Kevin Bartolacci, director of research and education at Sunvold Financial Investment Advisory Firm. Together they hope to help you discover the benefits of enriching your life as they entertain one another, and hopefully you too. We
0: have a guest with us in the studio. We have a guest for many reasons, and we have invited you, Masood Hadari. With us. Welcome.
3: Thank you. Well, thank you for the invitation. Maybe I have not listened to all your podcasts. But I'm a big-time fan of both of you.
0: Listener, what he's trying to say there is that he's listened to 20 or 30 seconds of one episode, I'm sure. Oh, really? Listener, Masood happily agreed to be our guest for this episode, and he has no idea why. He didn't (gasps) ask any questions. I didn't give him any information. Kevin just found out he was going to be on. So this could create some anxiety for you and for me, if not for this simple fact. Any guest that we have on this podcast experience can contribute to our content, all of our content. Because every guest we may have definitely is affected by finances, by faith in some way, shape, or form. And every guest who comes on may not employ the word in their vocabulary, <laughs> but that's okay because the F bombs <laughs> really refers to something that gets your ire up, something that really bugs you, and explosive content. That's the general idea of the F bombs. And so, every guest can provide some great content. And that, I believe, is worth sticking around for because you have no idea where the conversation may go. For the last several episodes, we've been focusing on the themes of Lent leading up to Easter. The one theme we did not cover was worship, which is the primary theme of week six, which is Holy Week. And because I believe our focus on worship should be continual, we are dedicating the faith portion of this podcast to worship. We who are Christians give ourselves most fully and completely to worship. Regardless of where you are in your faith walk, this is an invitation to be his disciple, to stay present, becoming a friend to him, and giving ourselves most fully and completely to worship. Worship can be very simple, carve out some time, open yourself up to God, say a prayer to Him, acknowledge Him, His presence in your life, and just worship Him for who He is. On that note, you are a worship leader of the church that I attend. Masood, would you like to add anything to that or talk about your worship experience? Cover anything if you want to cover what it's been like for you to learn to worship because you grew up in in a tradition that was not a Christian tradition. I'm basically giving you an invitation to just talk about worship.
3: Well, thank you. As you said, I didn't grow up as a Christ follower. I grew up as a Muslim. And in that faith, there is a plenty of reverence toward Jesus as a great man, as a great prophet. Islam believes that Jesus lived a sinless life. However, the difference, it comes to the place of cross that uh, Islam does not believe that uh, Jesus went to the cross and died. And then, uh, of course, three days later, was resurrected. So when here I was studying and when exploring the whole idea of Christianity, this was the most pivotal point for me, foundationally, to reconcile that did Jesus really die and did he really rise from mm-hmm. death? So the issue of resurrection was really foundational for me. If I can articulate just death and resurrection of Jesus to me, signifies the heart of God in a way that he came near not only through his birth and that we celebrate on Christmas, but also he became near in ways of our own life that he, he took the both pain and death, which is something that is part of our own reality of life on this side of heaven. And he experienced it himself and then also in our behalf. From that aspect, this is just so meaningful because it signifies heart of God and his nearness. And then, of course, his resurrection, conquering and overcoming and rising above death that this life on this side is not the end. So when we die. You
0: came to America in what year for our listener? Yeah,
3: 1979. I was in the nick of
0: time, and you have not been back to. You know, would you prefer or, I pronounce it Iran or Iran? Because uh, or Persia.
3: Well, depending on what the setting it is, <laughs> because at some point that for in order to protect from the physical harm, I would say that I'm from Persia. <laughs> <laughs> but also in some setting that when I say Iran, which is that's the right pronunciation, people would say where. And then when I said, I ran, then the, the people said, oh, yeah, I know what you mean.
0: There's a lot of fans of a flock of seagulls that, <laughs> uh, right. that we are surrounded I, by. I
3: just ran. You
0: had a just juxtaposition of seeing a faith that's played out that's different than yours and certainly not from your families. and then you make a movement toward that. And there are people that you, I'm sure, have encountered since you stepped across the line of faith and became a fully devoted follower of christ and those people just struggle with trying to wrap their heads around i don't know how to accept christ i can't really buy into this faith business and i'm sure that must seem pardon the pun foreign to you
3: here everybody knows who jesus is as jesus as a person Mm -hmm. now if you ask yeah, a lot of people, so do you believe that he's son of living God or was he fully divine and fully human? Yeah, They might kind of, like you said, well, no. But at this day, everybody knows Jesus. It has both benefit and then also complication. It's just because everybody knows Jesus. It doesn't mean that they know who Jesus was. And is in ways that then we take it for granted. So, for me, that I didn't grow up in either Christian home or Christian faith, uh, I had to go a full circle, abandon my faith in Islam, live a portion of my life as an atheist. And then, when crisis of life came and put me to a place to just saying that the regular world solution is not enough to answer the complexity of life, and I had to search something outside of me, I knew that I didn't want to go back to my old faith, and then Jesus was too foreign, so I had to get to know him from scratch. So we live in a culture that everybody knows Bible exists, Jesus is in there, and everything from our head, but do we really know who he is from the scratch?
0: I appreciate that on more than one level, because you're right. Jesus is a familiar figure. Right. That's a good word. Yes. In, in our American culture. And because of that, we all have some kind of spiritual experience at some point in our history. We, we don't work from scratch. But most of us work from some place of harm or some place of fear or some place of insecurity and work our way. Anyone else in your family a Christian?
3: No, I would say that my mom, before she passed two summers ago, she still kept her faith in Islam, but the mystic side of Islam has the mysterious side of who God is, and I could tell from our interactions she was leaning, and that was really as close as it could get. I'm grateful that the rest of my family, they have not disowned me or anything like that. However, None of them have any spiritual connections.
0: Yeah. Um, certain there are weird tensions from time to time.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, not only for our relationship from the theological side, it's for me, to be honest, as a the person that I believe in Jesus and I'm following him. And his words are, some level, are very direct on some level when he says, I'm the only way. We are not mincing. We can't say, well, he, what he meant. No, he is very clear. I am the way and I'm the truth. Just the thought that, so my mom passed away two years ago, will I see her at some point? Just not on the present tension. Those are part of your personal tension too. Right and even resorting to following Jesus and trusting, then what does that look like?
0: I think people can relate to that and connect to that. I think there's an accessibility to it.
3: Because, I mean, part of it is just like really well-intentioned, especially during the time of loss and funerals. Well, so you're going to see them because we have an assumption Mm -hmm. that, so this is, hey, see you later. Those are either by pastors, by families, those boards gets other but it has a different set of meaning for me. I can't say that, but like my mom, that, hey, this is a see you later. Now, you, you talk about faith and trust, then you have to kind of like put everything at the table and put it at the foot of Jesus and God, that like, whatever that he decides, it is good. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, you yeah. didn't want to call like me no, a Debbie no, it's t- No, like, it's totally... <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) No,
0: no, it's it's totally fine. I think where people can relate to that is that family provides so much tension, naturally, just as a part of being family and being in relationship. In my family, we're very blessed that almost everyone is a Christian, and so we talk with that assumptive language. You are a pastor. I have been, and I agree with what you're saying when it comes to a funeral. At some point in my life and pastoral career, I just hit a switch where I felt like when I was listening to a funeral address that was trying to save everyone who was attending the funeral. And by save I mean trying to convert the lost to Christianity. You're missing the point. And from that day forward I've thought my role in that job is to honor the person who has just passed and provide hope for people who are there on life moving on because here's here's the thing about death. Just as much as we talk about the mystery of of faith and the mystery of Christianity and the mystery of spirituality, there's a mystery of death because I don't feel we were created to experience death and that's why here on this earth we do not know what to do with it we do not know how to respond to it we don't know what to say to people we say all kinds of things anywhere from ridiculous statements to embarrassing statements to the very simple what most people say is i'm sorry for your loss we just don't know what to do with it because we weren't meant to experience it
3: i'm with you that i do believe yeah we were not meant to experience death and we don't know what to do with it And in it, then the question is, so what comes next? Or is there anything post-death? And part of, like, the funeral annoys me from the traditional standpoint that unintended consequence, it creates as if that using death as source of fear that you see, if you don't give your life to Jesus, this death is gonna happen, and you don't know what happens after this. I think that it's somewhat its opposite of offering hope, and part of the funeral is especially if it's a life well lived, it's worth celebration because living a life that is worth living and well lived is hard, and we gotta hang on to some principles and some ways of reliance to survive without really hardening and making a heart that our heart becomes bitter and callous. In, in order to maintain a tenderness, we have to hang on to some some kind of way of living that in my opinion from the theological side is that uh, relying on Jesus, the source of hope. But hope is the one that helps, not, not just creating fear. It, right. Or funerals.
0: Right. Now it's another thing if the person who's passed made that their wishes. I want everyone to know that Jesus exists. He was an important part of my life. I'm going to in heaven and I want everyone to be there. But that can be said. It doesn't have to be a persuasive argument at the time. Because the truth of the matter is any person attending a funeral has the brevity of life on their mind. When a person doesn't do that and they do a the very thing that you're saying of just like I'm going to scare everyone to heaven now. I just, I just don't like that, and I don't like it when ministers just pretty much phone it in. They have a funeral message, and so they pull that same message out, and there's nothing personal about it. And I feel like I'm just, I've just gone to some kind of service that meant absolutely nothing to me. Right. Having people actually talk about them, who are loved ones, and can speak about their life into the lives of others and, and honor their life that way—that's certainly what I would like to see.
3: I'm with you again, uh, Hartley, in this that the best way of doing. Pu- funeral as a pastor is that i want to be almost like a facilitator and just step aside and let people that they know the person be the messenger of the reflection of that life and uh, unfortunately, I have done funerals that people that they were close to that person, they didn't have anything <laughs> nice to say because it was not a life well lived. Which just poses the question, at the end of our lives, what do we want to be remembered by? Something that is life-giving and good or saying that, oh yeah, they left a lot of money. And money is not bad, but if that's the only thing.
0: Do you want to say anything about funerals? Oh, there's a lot I'd like to say. Is this going to be our F-bomb today instead well, we, of the we, final
1: four? We can throw in both. One personal example. When my maternal grandmother passed away, she went to a small church in Mexico, Missouri for 50 years or whatever it was. She was 93 and a half years old. The pastor that did her service got stuff wrong, and it just irritated me to no end. I'm like, come on. She got sick before she died, say six to eight months prior and I talked to my dad at that point, and I said, there are some things I'd like to say at Grandma's funeral. And he wasn't enthusiastic about yeah. it, but she recovered, went back home for a while, then got sick again. So I reminded him. You remember I wanted to say some stuff at Grandma's funeral. And he said, what are you planning on saying? <laughs> and I said, don't worry about it. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I was sitting there waiting for my turn. Pastor did his thing. I thought, this is why I didn't want to leave it up to this guy yeah i just felt really moved to do that but it's one of those things where I've, I've often wondered you talked about a life not well lived so what do you do in those scenarios when you're leading the facilitation when there's really not much good to say about the person who died that's always been a question i've had in my mind for you Professionals, What do you do when the person was just a total scumbag? Any, any or, thoughts on that? Well, <laughs> well uh, I'll defer to you, Masood.
3: I don't want to sound too either melodramatic or cliche, but examples like that, to me, it, at least from the internal perspective, for me, it's sad. Sad that life that it's a gift. Mm-hmm. It's been given in ways to produce more life and light that gets wasted you, you know that did not live out to the potential that it could have been. when there's nothing that anybody could stand up say, hey I would say something nice or you, something that is good it then it's just kind of like feel sad that man I don't want to call it wasted life because right. I don't think that is wasted it's, but no, it just did not live live out to it's what it could have been and potential.
0: I can say I've been in a situation where I hadn't I knew nothing about the person. Someone just called and said we need a funeral and I tried to steer them towards someone they might know and it was clear they didn't know anyone. Right. So then I had to meet the family. No one says anything nice about a person, but then I don't have a relationship. So that makes it even more challenging.
1: I don't remember what year I made up this word prelogy. I just coined this new phrase called prólogy, which is a pre eulogy. My wife and kids are familiar with it. And I have a little book that I bought several years ago called I'm Dead Now What? Mm -hmm. And it's got stuff in there with instructions and what I want done on my death. And if I'm so inclined, I'll probably have to rewrite it more than once. But I'm going to write my own eulogy and then they can modify it (laughs) on my death so they have something to work with.
0: I've decided to just make mine video, so I've hired a documentary crew to just that is awesome. follow me around and I can just talk about my life. My prayer, my heart, my apologies go out to the person who has to edit it. Oh,
3: good God. No, because I be- don't. Because I'm not going to edit as I go. It would be raw footage. Would be <laughs> the most effective one. <laughs>
1: yeah, the editing. I can see that being.
3: Uh, that
0: would be a big. Yeah, that's a big deal. Especially because I talk in incomplete sentences. I start a sentence and before I'm even halfway through, I jump on. Did you hear about the other guy? <laughs> and then I never come back to the first sentence. So this is awesome, listener. We are obviously friends. If you haven't figured that out, before the three of us have known each other. Probably you two probably have known each other longer than I've known.
1: Either Uh, one of you, maybe. that's probably Probably. right. 26,
0: 27 years now? We know each other from mutual venues. Oh, my God. One of the venues that we have there. But this will be on topic. I'm substituting in the senior. I guess I'll just put it out there for the listener. The Senior Sunshine League. That's right. It's
1: the official name.
0: Now, listener, they card me every time I come in. They're like, you can't bowl with us. Look at you. You're like 18, 20 years old. They card me and I say it. So I'm barely. But Do you mean
1: that you qualify based on your age? Yes, that's, that I qualify. That's the based threshold on my,
0: you've just. On my age, yeah. Just got yeah. barely across. Just barely got there, really.
3: I'm not sure that how many people would use fake ID to get in a senior league. Well, Ow!
0: I was bowling this league yesterday, and we were talking about something else, and then one person mentioned this bowler's name and said, does this person ever smile? Another person then stated that they used to live across the street from this person, never saw a smile, stated this person as just an unhappy person in general. This is a summation of what we've talked about. What is the value and quality of your life?
3: It's interesting that you're using that as an example because joy, not just a happiness or a smile, but smile is a reflection of a joy internal joy we can't give it out if we don't have it inside. so mm-hmm. i'm imagining probably that person feels empty that doesn't have much to give mm-hmm. feels like smiling that is fake
0: i would imagine the listener is doing this now and i'm certain the three of us we're thinking through people we know i'll state it this way there's more than one person coming to my mind that i would just flat out say not a happy person nice. never has been a happy person never consider that person to have
1: any kind of joy
2: hey.
0: Freaking hurt. Never, never good. Never good with that person.
1: Ooh. There are other things to talk about. Anything? Well, let's is- cover the final four f bomb while we're here. All right. Before we go to finances, because yeah. it's so recent. I watched UConn versus Tennessee. I think it was a regular season game, and it was on the TV right before I was tuning in to see something else. But it ran long, so I saw like the last five minutes of this game, and I can't help but notice that all the players have on fake eyelashes.
0: Yeah, my son and I talked about that And I'm like,
1: too. I look at my wife and I go, what the f-? Who are they performing for? This is a sport in which you're going to take body contact, you're going to take elbows to the face, you have on these long fake eyelashes. What the hell's going on? Come on.
3: Well, and, and go play you-
1: ball. Quit performing for your social media post.
3: Because you could see that, by the way, here in the... National Championship Game,
1: same kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. We were watching the
0: National Championship Game. I, I think how I said it was that that guard sure looks pretty to be playing basketball right now, and he at the same time we talked over each other because he said, "I've never understood these players that wear eyelashes to play basketball."
3: and we're not talking about enhancement. It was. Oh, these were long, long,
0: yeah, right. that you could notice. Mm-hmm. From a as a casual when the, observer when the
3: cameras at a long angle. You guess
1: mm-hmm. right, Yeah. I was like catch What? Shiver me timbers. I did not watch the national championship mm-hmm. game. I did not watch the women's I did read an article that I was a little confused about because there was some controversy about a you can't see me gesture or something. Yeah. I didn't understand it. I saw an article about it. That's as far as I went. I didn't watch the video of it. You seem to know something about it. We were talking before we started recording. You mentioned a double
3: standard that was happening. Well, what it came out.
1: Let the record reflect
0: (laughs) that our guest has entered again with an F-bomb, which I think is awesome.
3: Oh. You're right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's not supposed to? No, no, no it's no. fine. You should come.
0: No, no, it, 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 it's great. Both barrels the precedent, loaded. Yeah. <laughs> the president has been set down by two guests.
3: Yep. So from, based on that, so what happened was on Sunday, toward the end of the game, when the game was almost out of reach, one of the LSU players motioned that it's known more for wrestling world, like, you can't see me. And then she motioned on her ring finger that we we're gonna get the ring uh. and showed it to the Iowa player. And that they, Iowa
1: player was an outstanding player, right? Night. Right.
3: Okay. So she's the same player that two games ago, when they were playing Louisville, she did the same gesture. The did, Iowa player did right. Uh. She did that as she was walking to her bench, and then when there was almost the game was over, she turned to one of the Louisville players that you guys are down by 15, shut up. By the way, based on everything that I've read, she has not had any issues with the LSU player, that's why she did that. She says she's good, confident, really outstanding player. So she has not had any issues. But somehow, either social media, others that they have said that they call the LSU player... That is a person of color that this was unsportman like gesture. She's a thug. It's not Got a, it. And, so uh, for
1: th- I saw a still shot in the photograph. Mm-hmm. So for those of you that didn't see the game or haven't seen the article, you are correct if you're assuming that the Iowa player is white. She was white, your LSU player is a person of color, right? right? Is that That's accurate? correct. That's okay. Correct. So there was a lot of negative fallout when the L S U player right. did the same that, that, gesture that, that the right. Iowa player had done previously. The same thing. Okay. Right.
3: And again, the Iowa player did not protest or, gotcha. or retaliate, but. So they didn't punch it, each other like no, happened in no, a
1: game a week ago, right? No, somebody no, in the no. hand line, somebody right. threw a punch.
0: Memphis guard Jamira shoots. She's the one that did the
1: punching? Yeah.
0: She was charged with assault for yeah. allegedly punching. Well, they have to say
1: that. Right. But the video was pretty clear. Pretty clear. Yeah, bowling green. Yeah, bowling green. Memphis and bowling green. Yeah, Yeah. that's coming back to me. After the third round. Yeah, they were going through the handshake line. And then all of a sudden, pop, and I was like, what just happened? That was in the women's national invitation. The NIT. Right. Got it. So you're saying we got a double standard here because she's catching all kinds of flack. Right. All right. So let me ask you this from a financial perspective. Because I read this in the article this morning. This LSU player, and I can't remember her name. She has gotten like seventeen nil endorsements since. That's right. Does she just laugh all the way to the bank and say, "I don't, I don't care what you think. I'm, I'm cashing in."
3: That's an interesting point. Again, my, my thought and question is not really about singling these two out. It triggered my question or thought: how subtle sometimes we have biases as mm-hmm. a culture and a society that one thing that if it happens we would interpret it as confident, good, hey, it's part of the game, we can't trash talk, it's okay. And then if it's the other side or the other person of color, then we perceived as, that was thuggish. And
1: that's that's not the first time this has come up. I've heard this argument with African-American athletes versus white athletes in the past, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, I mean, it doesn't matter the sport. But that thug comment gets thrown in a lot. I mean, Allen Iverson. That was one of his critiques, That's right? Uh, we don't like him because he's a thug. So I'm a little grumpy about all of that, so thanks for clearing up yeah. my understanding on what really happened. I'm very interested in the cultural side of this and how we view how multiple people can watch the same incident and come away with different takes on it. Oh, yeah. That's always fascinating, to me. Have anything financial you want to talk about? There isn't much going on right now. Uh, we did hit the end of the first quarter, so I'll just hit on the highlights. First quarter, uh, which has been 331, March 31st, ended. We now have our second consecutive positive quarter on all three indices. Dow Jones is up 0.7 this year. SP 500 is up about 3.5, and, and the NASDAQ, God bless them, up 16.4 year to date. Up, up, up. Woohoo! The Federal Reserve, they're looking at one more rate hike sometime this year. They haven't said when. We should be close to the end of the tightening cycle so it's okay people listeners out there it's okay for you to consider bonds in your portfolio again you heard it here we we
0: did not talk about artemis or artemis 2 or artemis 3 but that's some exciting topics happening in the world of nasa we can get into that next time uh, I don't remember if I thanked you for being on the show, Masood, but you thank did. you for joining thank us. You.
3: Thank you for having me. Yes, uh,
0: certainly a delight. Hopefully, it was a delight for you too, listener. Oh. We are no longer saying, we are no longer staying away from Twitter. So you can find us there now. We are at Faith Money Bomb. You can reach us there, and you can check the show notes for places where you can uh, send us an email or other places where you can reach out to us. Once again, we thank you for listening and for joining us for this episode of Faith Finances and F-Bombs. Have a great day.
2: This podcast is for the purposes of education, information, and entertainment only, and is not a replacement for the professional services of a financial advisor, financial planner, spiritual clergy, spiritual counselor, or spiritual director. We suggest you seek out a trained professional for help with your financial and spiritual needs. The views and opinions expressed by the host and guest of faith, finances, and F-bombs are solely their current opinions based upon information they consider reliable, but do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations the host and guest may or may not be associated with in professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions provided by the podcast host and guest are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.